You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Hallelujah. Rejoice in the Lord. How many of us are rejoicing in the Lord? We are to rejoice always, always, always. Okay, let's take our text from where we started on Sunday, Luke chapter 10, from verse 17 to 20. Luke 10, 17, he says, Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Okay? Can we have the NLT or the Living Bible or both, any of them first? I'd like us to see the way 20 put it. But verse 20, it says, let's read together. It says, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. He said, rejoice because your names are what? Registered in heaven. I like that word, registered. How many of us haven't done our name registration? You know, when you register, there's a confidence you move about with. Praise the Lord. I will have you know as a born-again Christian that you're registered in heaven. Praise the Lord. Your name is there. It's not just, and, and when your name is in heaven, if human governments can have your fingerprint and your uh, eye print and your voice print, you can imagine the print they have in heaven. Praise the Lord. He says we should rejoice because our names are registered in heaven. So on Sunday, we began to talk about citizens of heaven, dual citizenship. So even though we live in Nigeria and we are Nigerians, or you may be living in any part of in any country where you're watching us from, we rejoice that we have a citizenship that is from above. Praise the Lord. But before we leave here quickly, I want us to take something there that is very important. The first part of that 20 says, do not rejoice because evil spirits obey you. It's taken for granted that evil spirits ought to obey you. Praise the Lord, somebody. Can you hear me? It is taken for granted that evil spirits should what? Obey you. So, if you are listening to me, I want you to know that any evil spirit that is not obeying you is in disobedience. Praise the Lord. Why? Because you're a citizen of heaven. Your word carries power. The Bible says in verse 17, you can go short for 17. It says, the 70 returned and said, the demons obey us when we use your name. This should be your normal. Praise the Lord. That's what Jesus was trying to say here. This is your normal. The Christian carries power. We have power over demons, over sickness, over all manner of things that the enemy throws that we carry power. Praise God. So you're moving, you're working in your place of work, at home, you know, someone calls you, 
you must understand that you're not ordinary. You're not ordinary. That's what Jesus is saying to them here. You're not ordinary. He says the next verse, verse 18, says Satan is defeated. I saw Satan fall like what? Lightning from heaven. The enemy is defeated. You are in victory. Praise the Lord. But you see, if you don't know, you will not exercise. That's why we're being reminded today. Okay? And the basis of that authority flows from your position. What's your position? You're seated in heavenly places. Praise the Lord. And not in neighborhood with principalities. Far above principalities and powers. So it should shock you if they don't obey you. That's what Jesus... The people were shocked and say, ah, they're obeying. Jesus said, no, you're a citizen of heaven. Praise the Lord. He said, you're a citizen of heaven. You have dominion over these things. You have authority over these things. Okay? So, so we have that understanding as we move on. Okay? Praise the Lord. So let's come to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, which is where we took the second passage we looked at. It says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. And we want to just do a bit of study and then we'll pray. The Apostle Paul here was concluding his letter to the Philippians. It was in this letter that he told us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It, it was in this letter that he told us, forgetting the things which are behind, I press forward. And coming to the conclusion, he begins to say something there. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, we, we looked at this on Sunday and we said from the beginning of creation, the conditions that made sense for rejoicing were that everything was good. And the natural man could rejoice. But when we come to where the Apostle Paul is speaking to us from now, he's speaking to us from the beyond the level of the natural man. And yet he's asking of us something that is not ordinary. To rejoice always. Now, that word, you, you may, it may appear that it says, be happy always. Which, if you're able to do, I clap. I mean, it's okay. Praise the Lord. But it says rejoice. It says have joy. Okay? It's saying be in a state of joy. And that word is talking about something deeper than happiness. It's talking about something that flows from a revelation. Praise the Lord. From a knowing. You know something. So you know that these light afflictions, you know that these circumstances, you know that these situations are not permanent. Praise the Lord. They will move away. In fact, the way he put it is that we know that these light afflictions are working what for us. Are they afflictions? Yes. Praise the Lord. Are they afflictions? Yes. Are they, are, are they uncomfortable? Yes. If we had our way, I think that's the better way to put it. If we had our way, we won't go through them. Praise the Lord. That's it. If we had our way, our Lord Jesus going to the cross, what did he say? He said to the Father, not my will, but what? Yours be done. He didn't say I'm enjoying it. He said, is there any other way? But now, because we know that these afflictions are working for us, a far heavier weight of glory, then we can rejoice in it. And that's where the Bible begins to say to us, it says, count it all what? Joy. It's not joy, 
but we count it joy based on the knowledge. So every time you read the Bible, every day some things you see that is expecting that you bring knowledge, other knowledge of God and the things of God together. This is one of the things. Rejoice always is expecting that you take in totality your knowledge, your revelation of God, which is what we began to say on Sunday, where we say what? Rejoice sin in the balancing act of what? Eternity. So if you sit in that situation now, you ask yourself, is there anything to rejoice? Say, oh, no, nothing. But then when you put eternity in perspective, and one of the pictures the Lord gave to me as we're, you know, meditating on this on Sunday, is that he said people go to, you know, go into the depths of the earth to mine coal. To mine all, to mine gold. Have you been to a mine? Have, have you? Most of us wouldn't have been to a mine. To mine even coal. The situation where what they subject themselves to is extreme, both in temperature, everything, and the risk are high. Sometimes, in many cases, the mine collapses and they die there. But you know what? People are still going there. You know why? Because they are expecting that after they spend one month, six months there, when they come out. They come out with great wealth. So that is what he's saying here. He said, put the total knowledge of the benefit that will accrue to you. So he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then he went further. Verse 5 says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. This we referred to on Sunday when we talked about the character of the citizens of heaven. Okay, when we talked about if you're a citizen of heaven, you know, heaven will be in your heart. So we're not just going to heaven. Heaven is what? Already in our hearts. The Spirit of God is already there. We have already been baptized. Okay, and what that does is that it produces a result. What is this result called? The Bible will call it the fruit of the Spirit. It is the evidence that what heaven is inside of us, that the Spirit of God is inside of us. And what is this? What, how does it come out? It comes in love. It comes in joy. It comes in patience. It comes in long-suffering. It comes in kindness. It comes in you know, generosity and all of that. These are the things that help us to know. Praise the Lord. Just the same way, you know, if you see someone, well, in this time now, you have even black people that are Japanese, okay? We have Naomi's black, but she's Japanese because she can play well. You know, she would have been Haitian. Naomi Osaka, yes. Okay, so, but there are some citizens you see based on their color. You know that this will are from this place, okay? Now, when you see this character trait, you can confirm to yourself, that your word, a citizen of heaven, let your gentleness, let the fruit of your spirit, let it be apparent. Praise God. And this is what we are growing into every day. So the first day you become born again, you may not have all of it, but you ought to grow in it. The Bible talks about growing in what? In godliness. Okay. So we move to six, which is where I'm a bit more interested in for tonight. Six now tells us something that is the reverse of the rejoice it says be anxious so when i'm not rejoicing what am i i'm anxious okay so it says to us here be what anxious for nothing so it says rejoice always okay then it says be anxious for nothing now the thing there is this the bible also helps us in understanding things this way you always you don't take away something and leave an emptiness you don't leave a vacuum so you notice most times when the bible says to us don't do something it's telling us to do something 
Or when he's telling us to do something, he's telling us what not to do something. So our Lord Jesus teaching us concerning prayer says what? Men ought what? Always to pray. The alternative to praying is what? He's not doing nothing. He's fainting. If I'm not praying like I should pray, then I'm fainting like I shouldn't faint. But when I pray like I should pray, then I'm not fainting. So here the Apostle Paul says, rejoice always. And then he says, don't be what? Anxious. It's the same way, you know, the Bible says, do not give place to the devil. When you don't give place to the devil, you're giving place to the Spirit of God. So the whole thing is always there. So they tell you this one and they tell you the other one. So if you don't get it from this side, you get it from this other side. Now be anxious. What does it mean to be anxious? It means to be worried. It means to be unstable. It means to be torn in between. It means to, you know, meditate on possibilities. Okay? And these possibilities, I don't think anybody can be anxious whether his money is going to, the light is going to get to be 1 billion or 1.1 billion. Will you be anxious about that? No. What causes anxiety is possibility of bad things happening. Isn't it? Now, when he says be anxious for nothing, note what he says here. He says, but in every what? Thing, what should you do? He says prayer. So, Everything, like I think it was Mommy Chi that told us that, everything you can worry about, you know what else you can do about it? You can pray about it. Everything that can be a cause for concern can be a prayer point. Anything. And that is the way out. So you find out that you have people, you know, and ourselves at different times of our life and different situations and scenarios where we really worry. And we really worry. Worry sometimes the things make sense, sometimes they don't make sense. But we really worry. And this scripture is right there before us. It's saying if you're worrying, then change the worry to prayer. Now, worrying is personal. Sometimes, you know, if you're married, your wife or your husband can translate the worry to you. Okay? And then your friends can also translate. But you can also take that worry and go to God and what? Pour your heart out before him. Is, is it the song? Which song did he say? Uh, power belongs to God. You know, he says, pour your heart, something like that. You, you can take that worry and go and give God, the, load it on to God. He said, cast your cares and burdens, what? Unto me. He says, for I do what? I care for you. I'm ready to bear them. So be anxious, no, for nothing, but what? Everything instead, what? Turn it to prayer. Turn into prayer. And now let's connect this. In that passage, it says, by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. And the root word for that first word, prayer, because prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, we know it's all prayer. So, by Ephesians tells us about all manner of prayer. But that first prayer that is there, you know, if you go back to the Greek and all of that, talks more about the prayer of adoration. About the prayer of worship. Now, our Lord Jesus teaching us to pray. Okay, what did he say to us? He says, pray in this manner, therefore, how? My landlord, the rent is due. My enemies, is that how he taught us to pray? He says, our Father, what? Which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's the first thing about prayer. And we've said it here over and over, and we can't say it enough. Listen to me. If you're in a situation and you didn't know how to pray, and you just said, Lord, be 
glorified. My father be exalted. In fact, the other day I was thinking which one is more powerful. Is it that God is my father or that my father is God? Have you thought about, imagine you meet someone and he say the president is my father. Or you meet the same person and he say my father is the president. You see, sometimes because these things, we repeat these statements, we lose the power in them. Your God is your father. Your father is God. That, that's what that prayer isn't just about the look, about the address of God. It's talking about the relationship. Our father, which had what? In heaven. Now, can you imagine what that would do to worry? Have you found yourself worrying about a situation? And somebody says, Oh, I know the boss at MPA, I know the fi- finance director. What does it do for you? Immediately, your mind is calm. Now, Jesus is saying, when you want to pray, first of all, first of all, calm your heart. Calm your heart. I don't know if if it was a movie or something we're watching. And somebody rushed in and was trying to say, you know, was anxious about something and was just saying so many things. And it was actually a father to the lady. And the lady had to slap the father so that he can calm down. You see, there's an anxiety that will make you, you know, incoherent. You're, you're just, yeah, yeah, yeah. The woman slapped the father, and then the man calmed down and was able to make sense so they could help him. Are you getting what I'm saying? Our Lord Jesus is teaching us here. There's a place of stability. When you come, Hebrews 11:6 6 says what? Without faith, what? It's impossible. He that comes to God must what? Believe that he is. Tonight, do you know whom you've come to worship? He is God. Praise the Lord. He is your father. Which one do you want to choose? He is almighty God. The being of the year. What did he say to us? He says, I am almighty. That's who he is. Remind yourself. So, the problem is this being. Your father is what? God. The problem has lasted this long. Your father is who? God. The problem, all, all the doctors couldn't solve it. But your father is who? God. Do you know what that does? That will kill every anxiety. It will drive worry away. Oh, do you know how much the problem needs? It says your father created the world without spending money. Praise the Lord. It says the earth was without form and void. And the Spirit of God did what? Hovered. You have the Holy Spirit, don't you? You have the same Spirit that converted nothingness to what you see. How much money do you need? Praise the Lord, somebody. It's important. He said by prayer. He says adoration, devotion, worship. I don't know about you, but for me, when I pray, that takes almost 99% of my prayer. Because if I get into that position, I've told you here, God sees me. He knows me. He knows my opera. He knows if I can get myself into where he is and begin to see him better. Abba, my father. Eh? Oyigi yigi. Praise the Lord. And my mama said, you see, you, this is the one you're coming to. And then you say enemies are pursuing you. The enemies, if they're stupid, they will die. If they have sense, they will still die. Whatever means. When they encounter your God, it says no weapon formed against you what? Shall prosper. It says I created the blacksmith. 
before he gets to the weapon, he's blowing. He says, I made the blacksmith. I gave him the brain with which he's doing his blacksmithing. Okay? And then he says, any iron ore, any copper that he puts into fire to create a weapon, to, he says, I will not permit it to prosper. That's our father. Praise the Lord. So you, you come with worship. You come with adoration. You come, you know, just locating your relationship and who he is. That's what that first line talks about. Our father talks about the relationship and in heaven talks about his supremacy. There's a passage, I can't remember the exact thing. It says, the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords. He's the mighty God, terrible and awesome in his ways. That's the God you're serving. He is, the Lord your God is what? He's God of gods and Lord of lords. He's mighty and awesome. I think King James would say terrible. That's the God we serve. So you locate that address. What that does is that it drives the anxiety. It drives the worry. It begins to put everything in perspective. You know, thank you, Holy Spirit. Let, let, let me help you get this. Most of us, our phones have touch light, right? Okay. When you go home tonight, I mean, with the lights off, if you turn on your, your touch light, the touch light of your phone, you will see how effective, how powerful, okay? Let, let's use the word powerful, the light on your phone is. Then I want you to remember then tomorrow, when you're out in the day, turn on the same light. What is going to happen? You can forget it for the whole day. You know why? It was light where the sunlight was not. But when you bring that your phone light where the sunlight is, it's of no effect. That is what happens when you bring your challenges in the light of your father. It becomes nonsense. And that is why the apostle can say, rejoice. Our other big brother, apostle Peter, they put him in prison. They put his hands and his feet in stocks. He fell asleep. You know what that means? Praise the Lord. I don't know if anybody has the news. I'm praying Pastor Butrus. Is it Butrus or Butrus in, uh, in Borno? The one that the Boko Haram people are threatening to. That God will deliver him mightily. Okay? But you see, this is what it is. You know who your father is. Peter fell asleep. The angel had to make serious effort to wake him up. Peter didn't wake him up. He had to slap him well, tap him, before Peter could wake up. Why? Because he had taken Herod and all his soldiers and put them side by side with the God who in one night, his angel, one angel killed how many? Hundred and what? Five thousand soldiers. So who is Herod? Who is Herod? Okay, so that prayer there talks about hallowing him. Now, 1 Peter 3.15, very important. We'll look at that scripture. It's also a passage that has helped me. It's 1 Peter 3.15. It says, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart. This is one thing as a Christian you and I must do. And, and I think this touched a bit with what we learned I Get Connected today. When our brother was talking about um, rejoicing always. He reminded us. How John the Baptist, you know, had a, a problem. And our Lord Jesus Christ said, blessed is he who, what? who is not offended in me. You see, if, if the enemy is not able to get you to be offended in God, he hasn't gotten anything on you. 
But if he gets you to be offended in God, there's nothing that can be done again. Possibly that's why John didn't come out from prison. How can you be offended with the one who will deliver you? But do you know many Christians are walking about with offense towards God? Maybe they might not say it directly, but in their hearts they're saying why. They're asking questions. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're just saying a lot of things. They see something happen. They say, but what about me? Do you comprehend the love God has for you? Praise Jesus. You know, one of the things, again, we must appreciate as Christians is, for those of us who already have children, we are children of God. We are not, the, we are not coming out from the assembly plants of God. You see, you and I are so different. Okay, just like for those of us who have had children. Your children, you can have seven children, all the seven will be completely different. And the love of the father is the one that will now treat each child according to that child's what? Distinct characteristic. Now, the same way God who created us did not create us, all of us, as brand new 504 pushers. I want to use pushers so some of you will know you're very young. How many of us even know the car that is pusher? Or to know 504? <laughs> Do you know 504? I'm sure you know 504. Do you know 404? You saw it in a movie. <laughs> okay. No, God didn't create us Toyota Camrys. Every one of us is what? Distinct. Now, that's why the Bible says when we compare ourselves with ourselves, we are not wise because we are not the same. In the love of God, in the plan of God, he knows the path. I think we talked about this last He knows the path that is most suitable to bring you to the future he has prepared for you. So if I kneel down and I'm telling God, give me what he gave the other person. There are some vehicles that their fuel tank is open from the left. There are some that is on the right, isn't it? There are some that use diesel. There are some that use now electricity. God has created you specially. He says you're his own peculiar person. Every one of us. Now wisdom is to trust that God loves me personally. And his dealings with me are what? Personal. Now, if I look at others, I will be easily offended at God. Because I can say at 25 years, this happened for that person. After two years of marriage, this happened for those people. But what about me? You are not them. But it does not make God love them more than you. No, God loves you more than any other person for you. And loves them on their own for them. If you try to match and compare God's love, the devil will take you and eat breakfast. That's why it says, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Set him apart. That word also means you could never understand even if he tried to explain to you. James and John were his favorite disciples. When they, they were the brothers, the James and John and Peter. Now, who was the first one to be beheaded? It was James. Who was the last out of all of them to die? It was John. Why? Each one had his part. Praise the Lord. So we set the Lord apart. We sanctify him. We say he is the Lord. We hallow him. Praise the Lord. So he says, but in everything by prayer. So that prayer is, first of all, we put God in his place. You know, there's a song that says, Atawale, Atawale too. Okay? Give it to Jesus. You declare his sovereignty. He's in control. No matter the situation. What that does is that angels know that this one knows their master. 
But when we immediately begin to murmur, which is the natural thing we do, there's nothing they can do. Praise the Lord. Do you know that God has no positive response to murmuring? Praise the Lord. Let me repeat that. God has no positive response. When people murmur against God, there is no blessing that can come out of it. The best that can happen is that the person is ignored. If God tries to deal with it, it's punishment. Did you know that? Whenever the children of Israel murmured, it was more trouble. Because the medicine for murmuring is like vaccination. You know the vaccination they're doing now is a bit of COVID that is being introduced to your body. Now, from when somebody is murmuring against God, oftentimes what God permits to happen is for the person to have real trouble. When the person now has real trouble, he'll now know that he needs God. So the children of Israel were complaining and complaining. He said, eh, okay, let the snake that will bite them, they die. When that snake beat them, they said, they say, ah, you are God. Praise the Lord. So the opposite of it is continue to hallow him. Whatever is happening, begin to, he's God. When you do that, you attract his attention. The next word there is supplication, by prayer and supplication. What does supplication talk about? Supplication talks about communication. You see, the God we deal with is our, he's our God, he's our father, and he's real. Which means God is not angry when you tell him I'm hungry. Even though the Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But the same Jesus, after he had preached to people for three days, said to the disciples, what should we do? He said, let's give them something to eat. God is not against your physical needs. So if that is what is causing you worry, instead of worrying, please pray about it. Praise the Lord. Are there teenagers here? Some teenagers, their problem, I remember when my problem was beard. (laughs) Okay. Some, their own is to grow a particular height. You know, people can have all kinds of crazy things that disturb them that you may never know. Some ladies, their own is complexion or pimples. What I'm trying to say is this. He is your father, Matthew 7. Matthew 7 verse 7. Whatever is your worry, you understand? Ask him. <laughs> Hallelujah. He, he didn't say there are some things you can ask me. No, whatever is bothering you, you can what? Ask him. What does he say? He says, ask and what? It will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be open. Okay, go on. He says, for everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, find. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Verse 9. He says, or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? 11 says, if you then... Being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. He says, how much more will your heavenly father, who is in, will your father who is in heaven, what? Give good things to those who ask him, how much more? God is saying, talk to me. Praise the Lord, talk to me. Don't post it on social media. Don't put it on your display, whatever. Okay, talk, talk to me. Spend time, you know, tell me, Lord, I feel this. I want this. The beauty about it is this, which I must tell you the truth is this. Because in Luke, where he says, how much more will your heavenly father give good things? He says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit? Okay. Now, what you can be assured of is this. When you go to God with that need that is bothering you, God will answer you. But will God give you always what you ask for? No. But he will give you an answer. And that answer will satisfy you. 
David had a problem. And his issue was the prosperity of the wicked. You know, just like me now, I'm a pastor. And I have people, I know people and, you know, who are not born again. I wish all their prosperity were here and then all the like here were with them. You understand what I'm saying? So, some of these things, they, they bother you and you're, he says, look, he was disturbed with the prosperity of the wicked. Then he said, he went into the house of the Lord. Probably, you know, lamenting about it. And then God showed him. God began to talk to him. When he came out, was he still complaining? No, but did God stop prospering the wicked? No. God gave him an insight. He gave him a perspective. He saw that their path was slippery. He saw that they came to sudden destruction. He saw that the path of the just world is as a shining light, shines brighter. What it means is that for the righteous, this is the least you will ever be. And you'll be going from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory in the name of Jesus. Your seed will be mighty. But it says the wicked is destroyed suddenly. You don't want that now. So he got an answer. Not what he wanted. God didn't overturn his ways. But he introduced him. Come and see the way it works. Now that is what I'm trying to say. But when you don't ask. When you don't talk to God. Even in those little detailed things. What you find is that the enemy is providing for you answers. And that's, the way, that's not where you want to be. You don't, you don't want to be where the devil is explaining your situation to you. That's why people can contemplate all kinds of things. Suicide, you know, murder, anger, frustration. Why will a man, a woman, take knife and kill the husband or wife? I mean, why, why would somebody do that? He must have been talking to the devil. Or the devil must have been talking, you know, just like, why, why will a child, do you understand what I'm saying? Why will people do some things they do? Simply because they never talk to the Lord. So, the, the apostle is saying to us here, do not be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious for anything. But in everything by prayer, exalt God, sanctify the Lord, and then supplication. Talk to him in details. Some people have prayer lists. And that thing helps. I don't do it, but it helps. Have some list of things that have bothered you that you take before God. It will amaze you to what detail God has answered you. If you didn't do it before, you can start it today. In details, some of them could be as little as my boss, you know, is always harassing me. And then all of a sudden, you see that that same boss is now always, you know, commending you and all of that. But know that God has made provision. Instead of worrying, pray. Praise the Lord, somebody. Instead of worrying, pray. Okay. The next thing he says there is what? He says, thanksgiving. By prayer, supplication, with what? Thanksgiving. That's an interesting one. And it almost takes us to where we began from. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, we know the, story, the, the scripture. In everything, what? Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for your neighbor. <laughs> Praise the Lord Let's read it together everybody In everything give thanks For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus For me For me In everything That's a deep scripture In everything And you know we, we, we've taught this passage We've taught this to mean God didn't say thank God For the situation He said thank God in the Situation, But I saw another one, Ephesians 5.20. Put it, let's read it. Let's see what that one is saying. Ephesians 
Let's read it and see what it says. Okay. Now, what does it say? Read it for me. Giving thanks always for how many things? So, the other time we thought it was only give time in, not for. They are promoting you now. Praise the Lord. So, now I don't just give God thanks in. I'm also to give God thanks for all things. Is that easy? I don't know if you noted for those who are get connected. Did you notice that um, on Monday, the person that shared, Israel shared, they bashed his car. Israel, they bashed their car. Where is Israel? And today, the person that shared said they also bashed his car. You know, these men, these people are praying for God-likeness. And the enemy is saying, Lord, if these people are serious, allow me to try them. And they are being tried. And I bless God that they are also what? Passing the challenges. That's why they are able to share it. Because if they came out and fought, they wouldn't tell us. Now, giving God thanks always for all things. You know what it says? It means that my father knows me and he knows where I am. Didn't the Bible say that God will not allow me, God will not allow you to be what? Tempted beyond what you can bear. So everything that is permitted to come my way has passed through the approval table of my father. Now, why is that very important, brethren? It's very important because, you see, just like in medical science, okay, I know that there's a level where your blood pressure will be. No matter what the problem is, they can't operate on you. So the first thing they do is to try to what? Control the blood pressure. The same way, the attitude of your heart is like that spiritually. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's an attitude you have. God can't do anything. That's why they're telling us this thing. Giving God thanks. In all things, say give him thanks. Then he says give him thanks for all things. When you're in that state, what you do is that you are like somebody with his arms thrown open. Saying, Lord, I'm ready for your intervention. Because what you've done is that you have acknowledged him all in all. But you see, it's not easy. Why? Because we have PhDs in blaming people and situations and everything in all things. Now, what that does is this. It blinds our eyes. It takes our focus off of him. Now, all this scripture is not saying all things are good. But remember, we also quote another scripture that says, and we know. What does it say? And we know that what? All things work together for what? Isn't that the conclusion of the two? If I know it's working together for my good, then why can't I thank God for it? Why should I want to, you know, crucify somebody first? Before God, before you intervene, let me deal with this man. He's the reason. Lord, before you intervene, let me deal with my, you know, she or he is the reason. No, it says giving God thanks. What that does is this. You see, heaven, praise the Lord. We said here that if our God is almighty, what should we be? All trusting. What he communicates is that you trust him. And that's the place you want to be. So it says, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. And what follows it? He said, and the peace of God. The peace of God. Let, let, let me help you understand what this is saying also. Praise the Lord. Are you listening? You have somebody is about to be blessed with some money. You have maybe five million cash or something. And maybe they gave it to you in the night. Okay? They gave it to you in the night. So you had to sleep with it. 
You know, I mean, except you're used to keeping such amount, you may be you're a bit uncomfortable throughout the night. You most likely won't sleep. Okay, the way I see most of your faces, you won't sleep. Okay, you won't sleep. So the next morning, you take your five million, praise God, and then you go to the bank. Even on the road, you're still not very okay. You're driving in and looking around. When you get to the bank and deposit that five million, and they give you your uh, deposit slip, when you go home, will you sleep? You will sleep. You know why? The peace of the bank has surrounded your heart. Your money is what? Now in the bank. You are at rest. It's the same thing. When you do all these things, eh? the peace of God shall garrison your heart. You have prayed. You have exalted him. You have supplicated. You have thanked him. You can sit down, cross your legs, and drink Zobo. Do you understand? Why? You have handed it over to him. Praise the Lord. That's the way. That's why Paul says rejoice. Paul hands over to him. You and I are to hand over. As we do that, we begin to see that these things are practical. Now, let's read verse 8 now. It says, when you've done all these things, this is what it says. Now, it says, finally, brethren, what should we do? It says, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, it says what? Meditate on these things. Now, very tricky now. Do you know that no matter the truth of any situation, you don't feel the truth, you feel what you meditate on? Praise the Lord. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. The Bible says, he will keep in perfect peace Whose mind is what? Because, whose mind is stayed on him because they trust in him. Your, where your mind is will determine how you're feeling. There are persons who enter the plane and for the whole flight, they are remembering um, the crash in 1931, the crash in 1975, the crash in 1980, Sosoliso, uh, uh, Zaba, Amba, Leka. They are remembering all of them. Until the flight comes down, then their mind will come down. There are some of us, when we enter the flight, the type of sleep will sleep there. Because the noise or the, you know, that sound there helps you sleep well. Now, it's not the location where you are, it's what your mind is meditating on. Are you getting what I'm saying? There are persons that are much richer than you, but they're afraid of poverty. There are persons that don't have half what you have. In fact, this, this happens to ladies. Let, let me use ladies. Do you know that most ladies that are bothered about their appearance are the most beautiful? The really ladies that are blessed to be fearfully made. They don't worry. Oh, oh they don't worry. They're just cool. They're okay. And they don't understand what you're bothering about because they're cool. It's the ones that God, you know, tried to give a little extra. They're the ones that will be saying, can't you see? I have a wrinkle here. And you feel like beating them. Say, my leg, my leg is bent. The ones with real bent leg are wearing mini. And you, you want to close your eyes. N- n- baby, men are here. Pity us here. They don't care. They, do you understand? The ones that everything. That, and you wonder why. You see, the devil never is never on vacation. It doesn't matter what you have physically. If he can hold your mind, he has you. 
That's why the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not kind of but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Say, bringing every word, thought, into captivity to the obedience of the thought you think. If it gets your thought, it doesn't matter where you are physically. Nobody loves me, nobody loves you. It's in your mind. Because some people are looking at you and say they love you too much. But the devil will tell you, how can? How can they love you? Why didn't they beat you? Now, you see, the devil is a lie. That's, you know, we, we learned it here. That's somebody who lies without, without basis. You know, if, if I pray most of us are not lying again. But even if you try to lie, you will lie with some 80% truth. Your lies are not strong. When you meet the people who can stand here and tell you that outside they have helicopter, he doesn't have kekena pep. <laughs> those are those lie. The devil is such a liar that, that that's why you don't joke with him. Do you understand? He can tell you all kinds of lies. That's why Paul says this is important. He says this is the finally I'm bringing to you. He said the things that are first of all true. Confront that thing you're thinking about. Is it true? Some will say it's an opinion. An opinion is not true. Opinion is some suggestion of somebody. It could be yours, it could be another person. But what is true? Where do you find truth? The word of God. The word of God. He said, what things are noble? What things are just? What things are, are, are pure? These are the things you meditate on. And, and that's where, where, where you and I must be careful what we watch and what we listen to. We can't emphasize that enough here. You have to be careful what you watch and what you listen to. Oh yes, you must be careful because these are the things. It, 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 I mean, some, someone made it so clearly. You know, so, someone jokingly put this. I don't know if you've read it. You know, these are some of the things I, I read and I laugh and marvel. So, someone said, if you think you're alone, you know, in a room, say watch a horror movie. You know, you're not alone. You know, I, I mean, that's the negative side. But but anything you watch has some influence on you. Anything you watch. There is no idle movie. There is no movie that is empty. It's pushing you in one direction. Jacob showed us how his, uh, his uh, father-in-law's animals could just be eating and drinking water and think nothing is happening. But by that process, their DNAs were being changed. Child of God, you're eating, you're watching, something is changing. What are you watching? You're playing, you're saying, I have free time. I'm watching. Whatever you're watching, you know, you must challenge yourself. I will watch what will lift me. I will watch what will make me wiser. I mean, there's room for laughter and all of that. But then the laughter must be at a percentage where I don't miss out what is true. What is of good report? What is noble? Why? Because if I meditate on only laughter, do you understand? You won't get so. So Paul says, meditate on because that's where you live. That's where you actually live. You live in what you're thinking about. Praise the Lord. Why do people buy lottery? When they buy that lottery ticket, I don't know how long it takes for them to call the number. Okay, maybe three months or one month. I don't know. But from the moment they buy it, somehow. You know, as their landlords, as their wives are harassing them, bring food money, bring money for uh, Azu, Azu Fridge. You know the one that is Azu Fridge? Mortuary. That's Titus. You know, bring money for this. The man in his house will just be planning. 
when they announce his number, 777 is a number. <laughs> you know, where, he will just be living there. And please, if you're playing all those uh, bet Niger and all those things, please be delivered. In the name of Jesus. You know, so they, they live in that imagination. They will win, they will win, they will win. That's where they keep living. And then they're going broke and broke and broke. It just captures their mind. And then when you go to the place, they announce uh, three numbers. Your number is not there, but you look at your number. You subtract your number from the number that won. He said the difference is 17. I'm getting closer. <laughs> the devil is wicked. I'm telling you, the devil. You're just, you're just, he has captivated you. Why? Because you're meditating on that. But rather, this is what the Apostle Paul says we should meditate on. Let's rise on our feet. Father, we thank you. 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 Father, Momchi, can we do his jealous for me, please? Let's just meditate on the love of God, on the goodness of God. Or, or you know, the, the other one, his goodness keeps running after all day. You know, he's jealous for me. Let, let, let's meditate on who our God is. We have entered a new month. No fears. Brother, no fear. Sister, no fear. Your father loves you. The Bible says, he that did not withhold his only begotten son, but gave him up freely for us all. He said, how shall he, not with him, what? Freely give us all things. Meditate on this. Praise the Lord. Meditate on the thoughts that he has towards you. He said, before I formed thee, I knew this. For me, for me. been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158804. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.